Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 11 of Swimming Upstream, and at long last, the completion, for now, of mine and Daniel DeVivo's consensus top 100 Marlins prospects list. We are so excited to bring it to you, and man, do we have a lot to get to today. But first, I want to welcome back to the show. He hasn't been on in a while due to the timing of my interviews and his obligation to his family, but he is undoubtedly my co-host and my partner on this podcast. Uh, a fantastic wealth of knowledge regarding anything regarding Marlins prospects, a guy that when I think I know something about a guy, he comes up with something that I just didn't know, especially when it comes to international guys. He is a fantastic person, a fantastic wealth of knowledge when it comes to anything Marlins prospects. And that's why he's on the show. That's why he's the co-host of this podcast and above all, a great friend and a guy I couldn't do this show without. So hailing, I'm going to get it right this time, Daniel, hailing from <laughs> Barranquilla, nice. Colombia. It's Daniel DeVivo. Daniel, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show with me. We know it's been a while. I thank you for all of your expertise, advice, and partnership leading up to this show. You were definitely a help to me on some of these deeper guys that you know of that I don't. And yes, Daniel knows stuff that I don't know. So that's why he's here again. I really, really appreciate everything that he's been able to provide to my project along with the show. It's really great to have him on. So Daniel, thank you again for doing this with me. Um, I couldn't have done the top 100 without you and you're going to be on much, much more in the future. I hope um, it's a pleasure to be with you again. Like I said, couldn't do it without you. So how are you doing and how's the family? I'm good, Alex. I'm really, really happy to be here with you once again. Um, everybody's, everybody's doing well over here um, in Colombia and, and ready, ready to do this, man. Excited. You know, we've done so many names and uh, today's going to be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. Uh, and like you said, we have a lot to get through. I don't want to waste we have a ton of names. Like Daniel just said, I don't want to waste a ton of time. But before we get going, I, I do want to go through one question regarding this Marlins offseason. Um, Kim Ang, she comes over, you know, obviously the fanfare around the hire, which was much deserved, not just because she's female, but because she finally got the role that she's been striving for and deserving for her entire career. Uh, you know, we had a lot of fans, though, thinking um, after that fanfare died down and she didn't do much this offseason. Uh, brought in Anthony Bass, a couple other small moves. But we had a lot of fans thinking that she was going to come in and make this immediate mark. You know, first woman to ever do it. You know, she's coming into a new team. Team has some holes, could fill some holes, obviously, in the um, interim with corner outfielder, catcher, whatever it may be, and make that big splash in free agency. Um, hasn't happened yet. Um, Marlins, you know, were rumored in many trade talks mostly for corner outfields and catchers, like I just said. Uh, things aren't said and done yet. Uh, we still have a couple weeks, uh, actually, I should say about a week, before pitchers and catchers report. Still some question marks around Anthony Santander, just Lars's RB case, which we heard about. Uh, Orioles may be able to get a little bit more for him because he's getting paid lesser salary now uh, in terms of a prospect poll. Um, so lots of club control on him, too. Um, I think four years last I looked at that he has in club control, so... Obviously, an asset that a team in a rebuild like the Orioles will be looking to move. I think they could do it. Are the Marlins a player? Sources say yes. We'll see what happens. Um, it just hasn't happened yet. But so far for me, Daniel, the message here is, is pretty clear. Um, you know, as deep as the system is, the Marlins want to see all of these kids play and gauge their talent. Um, yep. Both those on the brink of their debuts and those deeper down in the system. You know, some may call it prospect hugging. I, I get that. I, I see where they're coming from. But for me, seeing and knowing just what we have in this system, uh, which we'll cover today in entirety, um, I'm not yes. entirely unhappy with this decision. You know, she's coming in as an outsider. She's learning about these players for the first time 
wants to know exactly what she has before she starts making any deals, especially when you consider most of these guys missed a full season, no Arizona Fall League, just a few guys participating in the Winter League. We saw a couple internationally as well. You know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm really not that against it with the guys that we have, you know, she's erring on the side of caution guys, you know, as exciting as the playoffs were in that shortened season, this is still the finishing stages of a rebuild. And that's, that's I, what I think is what she's getting at. You know, it's coming to the finishing stages of that rebuild. I just said that, but it, it's still, it's still, we're, we're still rebuilding this club and this farm system. So I don't blame her at all for this strategy. In fact, I know I'm in probably in the minority, Daniel, you can probably <laughs> tell me that I am. But um, I kind of like it. She wants to get to know what she has before she makes any moves. So my question for you, what are your thoughts here on this offseason? And what do you think about the actions of Kim Ang so far? Let's see. Um, The trading strategy is hard to analyze because we just don't know what's the reasoning. We don't know if if teams are coming in and, and asking for, you know, your two eyeballs here. Um, or, or what's up? She, she probably is willing to do it. She that was that was her message when 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 the offseason started. She said she wanted to pull off a few trades to expect trades. Um, but I think the the bigger issue here, and I'm just guessing here. I, I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge on this. Is 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 our payroll, um, our budget? I think that's that's the, that's the real problem. Um, again, just. I have no idea, but it sounds like that's it. You know, it's absolutely a buyer's market and where it doesn't look in, in both um, free agency and trades. So in trades, it's maybe that teams are asking for too much and we're just not able to get our deals, which is perfectly understandable. Hopefully it happens. We still have, we still have time, but it's also on the free agent side. Um, there's a lot, a lot of players out there and, you know, we do need some help, especially in the bullpen. I'm not sure what's not happening. Um, what I'm thinking is not much of Kim Ang. Maybe it's more on the, on the payroll side, but again, it's, it's just me spitballing here. I'm, I'm not sure. And if it is, let's hope, you know, we can, we can fix that in the short term because, you know, a really important part of the rebuild is, is the payroll flexibility. So hopefully, um, we can get that going. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting too, to mention that payroll, you know, the Marlins don't really have that big contract, you know, they don't have that big guy. There's, there's no more big contract like that. So um, if it is payroll, um, I, I hope it's not, but um, I, I mean, it's, it's an interesting time for sure. Um, what I, what I really think it comes down to is the fact that, you know, we just want to gauge the full measure of the talent in this minor league system. I think that's where it's stemming from personally. Maybe like Daniel said, maybe, maybe it's a payroll issue. Maybe they just don't want to spend the money that, that some of these big free agents are commanding. It's definitely possible, but um, I don't think the Marlins are done. Um, I think if they are, yeah, are in, yeah, I, I think if they are in, uh, if, even if they don't sign anybody going into the season, if they stick to what they have, um, if they are in contention, they're going to, they're going to make the moves necessary to be a competitive club after the deadline. So um, yeah, it, it's not going to be, you know, a, a club that sits on their hands. It's Derek Jeter. You know, it, he's an ultimate competitor. He, he's a guy that that wants to win, obviously. You know, he's used to winning. So I really don't think that this is going to be a telltale sign just because we didn't sign somebody in free agency or make that big trade that this is going to be the club that sits on their hands. So just wanted to get some thoughts on that before we get into it. Um, like I said, I, I don't want to waste too much time uh, before we get to this because we do have a lot to go through. Um, but yeah, um, it's an interesting time to be a Marlins fan. And I, I'm really excited to see how the rest of this offseason plays out heading into spring training. I agree. All right, guys, 
that said, uh, we could talk a lot more on that. Like we said, we're not going to take up too much time. Um, lots to get through. So uh, for those of you guys that have followed our show from the beginning, you know that this project has been under construction for a while. <laughs> what is this thing? Our, our fifth our fifth episode now? Yes. And we're still trying to get through it. You know, it, it's our fifth installment. Uh, it's a consensus top 100 for me and Daniel. And finally today, um, we started it on episode one. On episode 11, we're finally going to round it out for now. And, you know, I say for now, because this is going to be an ever-changing project. This isn't going to be the last time we do this, this top 100 and update it. I'm also going to throw it up on the website. We're, we're going to shuffle these guys around. And we do have some shuffling to get to today as well, Daniel, you know that. <laughs> yeah, we said it at the beginning. This is, this is something that's going to be updated regularly. But for today, uh, we're going to initially round it out and finally give you all 100 guys. A lot of guys we already covered. We're not going to go through those guys again, um, especially for the sake of time. We could update those guys, but we're not going to right now. We'll get to that at another time, but we are going to cover the guys that we are including, uh, you know, up until I think we left off at around number 79 or 80. We have some guys to include before those numbers that have come over since our last show. So we're going to do that. Um, and then we're going to get to the guys that we haven't covered yet uh, between numbers 80 and 100. So uh, here's how it's going to work. Uh, for those of you guys that are new, what we originally did was we each came up with our top 100. Daniel then did the math, averaged out both lists, and uh, we came to an average ranking for each of these players. Um, most of the time we were around the same, you know, ranking for each of these players, but um, at times we weren't. Uh, we'll get to those guys as well, guys <laughs> that I thought were higher or Daniel thought were higher. Um, we'll mention those and point those out. I pointed some out on Twitter. For those of you guys that follow the account on Twitter, you know that. Um, we'll mention that as we go through each guy. But what we're going to do is roll through the rankings from, bottom to, uh, from uh, top to bottom. When we hit a guy that we haven't covered yet, we will take turns and switch off covering a player until we reach the bottom of the list. If it doesn't make sense now with me telling you, we'll get going. It'll make sense. Um, so without further ado, we will definitely get into it right now. Uh, it is mine and Daniel DeVivo's top 100 consensus Marlins prospects list. Exactly. And remember, just a quick note here. Um, we started this, what? What was this? Maybe like May or something <laughs> of last year. I have no idea. So obviously being February, things change. A full season, a season happened and there were instructs and there was a, a um, you know, an alternate camp. So we have had new information, which had us um, reshuffle and each one came up with our new order. So now we did it again, right? So this right now is our official order or rank in February of 2021 uh, consensus, as Alex explained. Right, exactly. Um, a lot of stuff has changed. Um, like we said, this is going to be something that we continue to update. This is going to be the last time we talk to you guys about this. But for now, um, we'll round it out and give you the full 100 as of this moment in 2021, February 2021. So without further ado, here we go. I'll start out the list. Um, I'll get to our first guy that we have to cover, and then I'll throw, throw it over to Daniel. So uh, number one, still staying at number one, Sixto Sanchez. Number two, J.J. Blade. Number three, Jazz Chisholm. Number four, Edward Cabrera. Number five, Max Meyer. Number six, making a quite a big jump here, especially after what he did last season. It's understandable. Trevor Rogers. Number seven, Jesus Sanchez. Number eight, Lewin Diaz. Number nine, a guy that me and Daniel both love, and I think this guy's going to make a huge splash in 2021, Peyton Burdick. Number 10, Braxton Garrett. Number 11, Cameron Meissner. Number 12, Monte Harrison. 
Number 13, Gerard Encarnacion. Number 14, Nick Neidert. Number 15, Connor Scott. Number 16, Daxton Fulton. Number 17, Jose Devers. And at 18, we come to the first guy that we're going to talk about in detail. We did mention him a little bit last show, I believe, listening back to it. Um, but it wasn't very much, so I do want to get to a little bit on this guy. It's Griffin Conine. Griffin Conine, um, I did mention before that a uh, couple of us, uh, between me and Daniel, I, he was a little higher on some guys. I was a little higher than him on some guys. I was a little higher on Griffin than Daniel, and Daniel's reasoning is completely sound, and he will get to that. But I want to talk about Griffin. You know, guys, other than, of course, making the playoffs um, for the Marlins and seeing the gross of these top prospects, this, for me, was the cherry on top of that 2020 season. Um, guys, the name Conine is coming back to the Miami Marlins. Amazing. A guy like for me, I grew up idolizing his father. He was my favorite player. Wasn't always the best player, but was always the greatest guy. I think in terms of pure baseball talent, Griffin is taking the Conine name to the next level. Um, you know, this guy, you know, it's the talent speaks for itself. He did have a hiccup in his development. Uh, we'll get to that with the suspension. This kid's good, though, and I think he's going to be really good. Um, before I started Fish on the Farm, I actually worked covering high school baseball here in South Florida. I worked for a company called High School Baseball Network, and I had the privilege of seeing Griffin play with Pinecrest, um, a school in Boca Raton where he went to high school. He and Zach Cohn, who I believe now is still with the Pirates organization, got drafted as well. They just completely dominated the high school circuit. You know, I'll never forget a homer I saw Griffin hit during a showcase at a school called North Broward Prep. Those of you local guys know where that school is. Maybe some of you even went there. It was a grand slam and this ball easily cleared the center field wall and went three quarters of the way down the football field, which was located directly behind it. So the power's here. It's been here for a while. It's not going anywhere. The question with Griffin will be how often can he tap into it? And there is a question mark around it. I mean, the Marlins, uh, before we get to that, the Marlins drafted Griffin at the end of the 2015 draft. Um, he decided to attend college. He went to Duke. Um, great college player, 280, 403, 531 with 31 homers in three seasons with Duke. Um, you know, he also threw in a pretty good uh, showing in the Woodbat Summer League, uh, in two Woodbat Summer League appearances, I should say, 305, 394, 568. Um, the Marlins wanted to get him the next time he became available in a draft, uh, and they targeted him with the 52nd pick, and the Blue Jays took him with the 51st pick. So the Blue Jays literally took him one pick before the Marlins were definitely planning to get him. I know Michael Hill was definitely targeting him again. So now Conine finally comes back home. The Marlins got him for the rental of Jonathan VR. So pretty good trade-off. Um, like we said, the high school and the collegiate prowess speaks for itself. The power is definitely here. The beautiful, beautiful power, really great batch speed, great use of his pretty good athletic build. Um, Griffin is definitely a threat for extra bases whenever he stands in much different than dad, um, who was kind of like a statue with his hitting mechanics. We all remember that, but Griffin, on the other hand, uses a split stance, um, steps towards the ball. Well, uh, toe tap trigger. Um, it's all good. It's not too much of an overpronounced trigger, which I hate to see in prospects, but you know, he has a little bit of one, but it's not too big. Um, the hole here, like we said, um, is the pitch recognition, especially with plus changeups. Um, he really struggled with that pitch from metrics that I saw. Uh, that's what really led to that heightened K rate, which we will mention. Um, considering the upbringing, though, collegiate pedigree, baseball IQ, you know, I think he's going to polish it off. And really, I think it's going to be, I think he's still going to strike out as a major leaguer, guys. Uh, I definitely think he's definitely going to have swing and miss to him. 
But if he can, you know, tap into that contact and that natural power, this is going to be a guy that's going to be around for a while. And I think he's going to step in as a mainstay in the Marlins outfield. So that's what I have on Griffin. I'm really excited that he's here. I think he starts 2021 potentially in double A, probably in, in single A advanced. Um, we'll see what happens there. But um, with the age, I think he's going to be pushed a little bit aggressively. But I'm excited that he's here. I'm stoked to have the Conai name back around the Marlins. So what do you think in here, Daniel and Griffin? Let me know your thoughts. Batting fourth for your Marlins, number 18, <laughs> the left fielder, Griffin Conine. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Come on. Exactly. Um, we should mention, I think you didn't mention it, that he was suspended 50 games yes. in 2018 for taking Ritalin and ADD medicine. So yep. it's not like crazy steroids. Exactly. Um, but still something to keep in mind. Um, and I do agree. I do see him starting at high A due to those Ks. <clears throat> That's the only thing keeping him back. You know, the 37% is, is <clears throat> pretty exaggerated, but, you know, I, I've heard great things about that coming down. So really, really excited to see what he brings. So let's continue here. Um, that was 18, Griffin Conine. 19 is Jose Salas. Number 20, Nassim Nunez. And number 21, drum roll, Yidi Cape. Uh, Cuban Yidi Cape. He arrived uh, as an international um, amateur for $3.5 million this um, you know, last month which says a lot about how much Miami wanted him to, you know, to have paid him that amount. Only Victor, Victor actually garnered a bigger bonus since the new ownership group began. So he is a right-handed hitting 6'3 at 175 pounds. So extremely projectable. Um, he was actually from the 2019 class of, of international amateurs, but the Marlins and Yidi waited more than a year to close it to close that deal because Miami needed to replenish their bonus money. So it was like the worst kept secret ever. Everybody knew that UD was becoming a Marlin. Um, so the kid is a lanky, you know, tall, lanky shortstop, as I said before, with a extremely projectable body. A lot of his future depends on how that body develops. Um, it's extremely important. We have to trust our development guys to take him where he, where he needs to be. Uh, Pipeline actually compares his frame to young Jeter and Carlos Correa. Uh, we'll take that comp. And uh, yeah, the, the, the kid just, he just projects to have average to plus tools across the board. You know, I don't see any really big um, weaknesses, uh, advanced bat to bat skills with very quick hands, smooth at shortstop, strong arm. So let's see how he develops. But Marlins, as, as you can see, are really high on this kid. Yeah, I mean, like Daniel said, this is a guy that was rumored to come to the Marlins, you know, when the international draft was supposed to happen. Actually, well before that, the Marlins were linked to him. And obviously the draft got pushed back and finally he got to sign that contract. So definitely a big moment for him. Really cool to see him finally get that Marlins jersey on and sign that contract. I think that was a big moment not only for him, but for the Marlins organization and Fernando Segal and everybody else that goes into these international drafts um, to finally get that deal done, you know, get him on paper and, and finally put him in that Jersey. Definitely cool. Um, I, I see a lot. I think I wrote it on the website exactly what Daniel said. I see a lot of Carlos Correa uh, with this guy. Um, you know, he's, you know, right now the lanky short little, you know, lanky kid, six foot, you know, whatever, 175, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But tons of time, you know, like Daniel said, projectable frame, good bat speed already. He's showing from the videos that I've seen on him. 
I'm excited to see him. Um, you know, obviously he's probably going to be in the GCL this year. Um, I think um, definitely cool to get him in the Marlins jersey. And I think he could definitely add to that already really great wealth of middle infield prospects that the Marlins have. So we're going on here uh, from him. Uh, that was 21. We go to 22, which is Will Banfield. Uh, we go to 23, Jordan Holloway. 24 is George Guzman. And 25 is our next guy, Kyle Nicholas. Kyle Nicholas, um, the Marlins CBA pick taken out of Ball State this past year. Uh, 61 overall, which is almost exactly where Pipeline had him rated um, in terms of the entire draft. I think they had him rated at number 60. So uh, Baseball America had him at 68, a little bit further back. Um, Nicholas's stock rose that high because of adjustments he made with mechanics in his junior year. And a great showing in the Cape Cod Summer League where he was reaching 97 pretty regularly and had improved action on his really good slider. That's probably his best breaking pitch. If not for COVID canceling 2020, um, I think Nicholas's stock could have been a little bit higher. So this is a really solid floor signing for the Marlins with this CBA pick. Um, Nicholas's bread and butter uh, is that here that we talked about. Um, we It was labeled um, as one of, if not the best fastballs in the entire draft last year. Um, Nicholas can play with the grip on that pitch and the release points. He pumps the pitch all the way up over triple digits at times. He won't sit there, but he will pump it up when he can. Um, and he can dip it all the way down to the uh, low 90s uh, with a sinker style um, movement on it. So it's a really great pitch for him. He can throw it a couple different ways. Um, it's a 70, 80 grade fastball, guys. That's from Pipeline. So obviously this is a very advanced pitch for him already. Um you know, it, it, it kind of gives him a pass for not owning much of a changeup because he can throw that fast, that fastball two different ways or a couple different ways, I should say, maybe even more than two. Um, he has he has a changeup, but it's very underdeveloped. Um, Nicholas's next pitch, we said the power slider. We talked about it. Um, it's about 86, 89, good downward bite to it from what we've seen. Um, he also has an average, pretty average curveball, but that could even, you know, come up a little bit as he gains experience against big league hitters and with big league coaching, of course, with everything the Marlins have. Um, the curve is usually in the upper 80s. Um, it kind of tends to blend into the slider, so he may drop it, but we'll see what happens. Um, the question here will be if Nicholas can remain the guy that was seen in his abbreviated junior year when he had that 37 to 7 KBB in a limited showing and not the guy who was missing the zone much more frequently due to those overemphasized mechanics, really dumbed down the mechanics from what we saw in his um, junior year. Um, but yeah, if he can keep those overemphasized mechanics that he was uh, kind of privy to early in his collegiate career, this is a guy that could be good. Um, the Marlins think he's it will be able to do it. And with the coaching that we have, we know the developmental system that we have. Um, uh, Daniel, you know it. Obviously, a lot of our other listeners may know it from what we've been able to do with, you know, pitchers that were much lower ranked than Kyle Nicholas and turn them into major league players. So um, I think this guy's going to be really good. Um, at the very least, he's a very high floor mid to late reliever with three pitches and great velo separation who will thrive in a two to three, one to two to three inning, you know, relief showings maybe even a swingman. Um, if he can remain in control via the improved mechanics and continue polishing that curveball and maybe the changeup, uh, he's a ceiling back end starter. So just 21, a couple years left before a call needs to be made on him uh, with all the pitching depth that the Marlins have. So no reason to rush him. So lots to like here. Um, I really like Kyle Nicholas. I think he was a great pick for the Marlins and I think he's going to be really good. Probably starting in Beloit. Yeah. Um, so really quickly on Nicholas, if Max Meyer... He's a 70-70 with a fastball and the slider. This guy is like a 70-60. The difference why Max is a top five and he's a, you know, 20-20s is the third pitch and the command. Yeah. If he can get those down, 
you know, be careful. So let's continue here. Um, <clears throat> that's 25, Kyle Nicholas. 26 is Osiris Johnson. Really excited to see that guy this year. Number 27 is Evan Fitterer. 28, Victor Mesa Jr. And number 29, Zach McCambly. So 2020 draft, Max Meyer, Dax Fulton, Kyle Nicholas, and then Zach McCambly. Um, <clears throat> third round out of coastal Carolina, $780,000 bonus, six, one. So not, not, not a very tall frame for him. Um, 92 to 94 miles per hour uh, in his fastball that peaks at 97 with an elite curveball. That's his pitch, the curveball around the low, low eighties. I mean, this is real wipeout potential pitch. Um, one of the best spin rates in the whole draft. Uh, just like um, every two pitch pitchers, he needs to upgrade his changeup in order to make it as a, as a starter. Similar to Nicholas McCambly, he had an amazing showing in the Cape, like crazy amazing. You know, he pitched to a 1.74 ERA. And after that, in the 2020 shortened season, he pitched to a 1.80 ERA, 32 Ks in 25 innings. Talk about clutch just before the draft. Um, so he did show those signs right before caught the Marlins attention and again really excited about this kid probably beginning 2021 in high a with, with Nicholas I do see that co cool combo there in that team yeah that Beloit rotation is going to be awesome I mean I think every rotation in this Marlins minor league system is yeah. going to be cool to see but I mean you're going to have a couple draftees sitting in that rotation um that's going to be cool to follow baseball and Beloit, especially when they get to their new stadium that's going to be interesting um something that uh daniel you may have heard that quint studer mentions mentioned to us in our interview with him is that their new field in, and pensacola who he also owns are going to have the same exact turf as marlins park so really cool that these guys at the at the you know the low levels of the minors and then the upper levels of the minors in double a are going to be able to get used to that field and that playing surface, including, you know, our pitchers. So I think that's really going to aid in um, our pitchers development, but um, in our players development, but anyways, um, in terms of McCampbell, yeah, um, Daniel pretty much said it all. Um, you know, he kind of lacks that third pitch. Um, we want to see that more out of him, but um, as a two pitch pitcher right now, he's solid again, he's 21, just like our last guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is another guy that really needs to develop, that third pitch if he was going to make it as a starter but again a high floor and no reason to rush right so cool to see um i think uh it's going to be a fun rotation to watch uh in the way so that's gonna be really cool uh anyways we move on to number 30 which is victor victor mesa uh 31 brady incarnacion 32 alex vesia 33 is dialo burgos and our next guy is 34 zach pop zach pop Picked up by the Marlins in the Rule 5 as part of a pretty interesting process and definitely one which Pop himself probably won't forget. Um, he was selected by the Diamondbacks, actually, in the Rule 5, and then an hour or so later, he was traded for a player to be named later to the Marlins. Um, three organizations this guy was a part of in about an eight-hour span. Uh, we, <laughs> pretty crazy. Something to tell the grandkids. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Pop himself even tweeted about it, um, that it was quite a day. So this guy, Daniel, I, I kind of like him. Um, and clearly the Marlins wanted him because, you know, obviously they went away from him to get another guy who we're going to come to, um, Paul Campbell, um, and went to Zach Pop. So Zach Pop, who they traded for, obviously, for the player to be named. So um, he was a top 100 collegiate prospect, seventh round pick. Did have Tommy John, of course. But before that, before the Tommy John, 
He had uh, what scouts were calling a 70 grade fastball that approached 100 and a wipeout slider. Really fooled with guys' timing by exploding into his release after a pretty, pretty slow windup from what I've seen of his collegiate work. Um, if he can return to that form after the surgery, he's very solid relief material and possibly a closer or setup man with those two pitches. Can he return to that form? Remains to be seen. Obviously, he just had TJ, so guys, see what happens. But for a player to be named later and with the recent success the Marlins have had with bringing TJ recipients back, Braxton Garrett, Trevor Rogers, Jordan Holloway, who all ranked higher on this list and more. I like this as a low risk, high reward type move. What do you think here? I liked it. I really liked it. Um, I'm really high on, on pop. He does project as a high leverage reliever. You know, I, I really like it. Solid rule five steel lethal against righties. He really is um, not much history to show because of the injuries, but I mean, you, you can just see it. And as you said, we didn't give up. <clears throat> I hope too much for him. We don't know who that return is, right? He may be right here on this list. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, <Okay>. hopefully it's <laughs> very low. Um, so let's continue here. Number 35 is Brian Miller. And then number 36 was the next guy. Next guy we're going to cover here is Jake Eater. Um, again, 2020 draft drafted after McCambly. Um, Eater uh, out of Vanderbilt, out of that Vanderbilt super cool team with, with JJ today. And, uh, um, who else was on that team? I mean, that team was amazing. You know, we have a lot of guys there. Um, I think they had cool. I think 17 guys selected in that draft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah, yeah. From I Vanderbilt. Mean, so it's crazy. <laughs> it's an amazing team. I mean, Kuma Rocker was there yep. as a, as a, a freshman. Yep. Um, we also drafted a middle infielder. Um, forgot his name, but he was also drafted with, with Blade. So, um, as I was mentioning, he drafted out of, drafted out of Vanderbilt for a $700,000 bonus. Um, he's a lefty and a really nice starter, bo- starter body at six foot four, 215 pounds. And 2021 will be his 20, age 22 season. Um, Mid 90s fastball with a plus curve can also flash a solid changeup, but it needs a bit more work which is something we get for most pitchers who just turned pro. They just need to be developed. Um, we've already mentioned it a few times for, for, for these pitchers. He is a bit inconsistent. Um, some days loses his velo and command, something that really read um, several sources. Uh, the one day he sits in the high 80s, low 90s, and then the next he's sitting 95. Um, he's a player that will get you extremely different opinions depending on who you ask. Like, for example, I believe it was Pipeline. Um, they had him above Nicholas and McCambly. Whereas, you know, Baseball America had him way lower. Um, Pipeline actually chose him as the steal of the fourth round. So we'll definitely take that. Um, they say his ceiling is a is of a mid-rotation starter. And I see him as well with Beloit. I mean, I see no reason to challenge him as high as double a um and and uh jupiter would probably be too low so again big three over there and in, in, in beloit yeah uh dan kind of said it all there um this is a guy that it, the question is consistency um you know there's some days he'll come out and he'll be pumping you know the the high velos past him with the nice velo separation down to his curveball 
Um, but there's other days that he'll come out and, you know, the velo just won't be there. So um, I think he needs to do work um, with repeatability in the mechanics and the arm slots in order to get this velo and his kind of stuff that he is capable of to stick. If he can do it, um, like Daniel said, he's a, a middle of the or middle of the rotation guy. Um, I think um, a more realistic ceiling for this guy is middle relief, uh, middle to late relief. Um, just because of the inconsistencies, um, you know, he is, he is still pretty young, um, 22. Um, like Daniel said, I think he's going to start in Beloit, um, probably in the rotation. So if he can, you know, make it stick in, with the pro coaching against, um, you know, these major league uh, quality hitters, major league caliber, caliber hitters, I should say, and these top prospects, then maybe he could stick in the rotation. But um, I think the more realistic ceiling for him is closer to his floor of the, um, of the uh, bullpen. So that's what I'll say on Eater. Hopefully he can prove me wrong. By the way, yeah, by the way, uh, Julian Infante is is the player we drafted from Vanderbilt. Um, yeah. And he was the shortstop instead of Austin Martin during during those years. So I just, a quick note. Yeah, I was trying to think of it too. Like I know we got a middle <laughs> infielder from there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that was 36. Um, our next guy that we cover is going to be the very next guy. And I already mentioned him. Uh, it's number 37, Paul Campbell. Um, another guy uh, and the guy that the Marlins got in the major league portion of the Bill five draft. Um, he uh, comes over from the Tampa Bay race, Massachusetts guy, um, Clemson product out of college. He was basically a long reliever there. Um, he struggled a bit in the ACC, but he did have an awesome showing in 2016 uh, in the summer leagues, the wood bat leagues, of course, uh, GCL 2017 short season, 2018 had a sub two ERA there sub one whip with a 35 to five KBB. So pretty good. Uh, I wrote it on the site not too long ago. Um, he really popped in 2019, uh, kind of solidified himself as a raised top 25 prospect, um, in a system that's pretty known for developing some quality arms, um, in his first full season's worth of work between uh, single advance and double a. He managed a 3.67 ERA, 1.13 whip, 112.37 KBB. So really good control numbers. I love to see that. That was in 144.2 innings pitch, basically 145 innings. Um, as high as 95 down to 75, um, he's got basically three pitches. The heat and changeup are both presently plus. Um, and Paul has a good feel for them. But what holds him back is the lack of feel for that third pitch, the curveball. Um, the pitch shows flashes at times. He can kind of gain the feel for it, but he loses it a little bit too often. Placement, disability to mask the arm speed on it. He really slows down the arm speed on the curveball line. Hitters kind of pick it up. It's kind of hurt him, uh, you know, with the ground ball rate, more hitters will be able to get under that pitch and drive it. So you want to see him kind of pick that up and kind of mask that arm speed better on that pitch and throw it as hard as he does, but with a better grip as the other two pitches. Um, he doesn't have blow it by your stuff and doesn't have, like we said, much of that third pitch. It kind of limits his ceiling as a starter, but he could become that innings eating reliever in a swingman role or a long relief role, which the Marlins currently lack. So that would be a good step for them. We'll see what happens here. Um, obviously he's a member of the MLB portion of the rule five. So he will be on the major league team. Um, I think he's going to come out of the pen. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Maybe you can pick up a couple starts and impress some people. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, how does the rotation look right now? I mean, Mattingly said the number three guys, 100%. He didn't even mention six, so are Sandy, Pablo, and Eliezer. There's, there's just uh, so um, many. Like, you know, there's just so many guys that you got Nider, you got Garrett. Exactly. You, know, you got all these exactly. guys at that back end. You know, obviously you have the first two guys who we know who are Pablo and Sandy. Um, but then you have all these other guys that – 
really are deserving of being here. Obviously, we saw a couple last year. We saw Sixton. We saw Braxton. Braxton struggled a little bit, um, you know, but and I remember he could iron that out. Trevor was really impressive. Yeah. Um, exactly. I would say I would say Sixta would be a number four. Um, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't say without a doubt, but I think it's pretty probable that he's going to get that number four. But number five, it's pretty up to grab. I mean, one would say it's Trevor's right now, but I mean, this kid, he's been a starter, I believe, his whole career. So he could definitely, you know, you know, compete for that spot for that number five with all the guys you mentioned. Braxton, how about, Trevor. how about another guy we're going to mention him, you know, he's already been on our list and he didn't make a big jump and on our list and a couple of others. How about Daniel Castano? I think he yep. could be that five, that number five guy. He impressed last year. So, he did that, you know, in addition to the, the battle that's going to go on between jazz and Isan and some of the guys in the outfield, you know, we got some questions there, especially if we don't sign anybody, that's mm. a question mark for spring training. So a lot of battles are going to happen. Yes. Fun. Um, all right, guys, so stick with me here because I have a lot of <laughs> names before the next one we cover. So let's go. Um, 38, Luis Palacios. Number 39, Thomas Jones. Keep in mind, all of these names that, are gonna, are, that I'm going to say are names we already covered, uh, you know, in a very complete way. So you can find that on our previous episodes. Number 40, Chris Machma. Number 41, Tristan Pompey. Number 42, Daniel Castano. Italian Stallion. Yes. Number 43, Alberto Guerrero. Number 44, Will Stewart. 45, Ian Lewis. Number 46, Chris Torres. Number 47, Matt Given. 48, J.D. Orr. 49, Evan Edwards. <clears throat> Number 50, Josh Roberson. It's really high on this guy. 51, Tyler Stevens. 52, Bryson Brigman. 53, Riley Mahan. And a 54, Joe Dunand. Good, sir. Let's see what happens there, man. I really yeah. like what I saw. Really, in really, really popped on, in the international leagues. It was really cool yeah. to see. And at third base, too. That was awesome. If this guy shows something, oh, man, that'd be exciting. He's got the pedigree for sure, right? So, Oh, yeah. We'll see. Pedigree's there. Number 55, Junior Sanchez. Number 56, Tommy Evild. Number 57, Demetrius Sims. And 58, the great Eudy Perez who is going to be there for a month and then go to the twenties or thirties. Mark my words. This guy, and, this guy real quick jumped up our list. How, how many spots, Daniel? I think he was in the seventies and with what everything we've seen from him. And he hasn't even pitched the game. We just, yeah. we, we can't find an excuse to leave him down here. You know, he's, he's another guy like Dunant that just, we have, or not, I'm sorry, not Dunant. He's another guy like Salas who, yeah. you know, just, we haven't seen him play a game yet, but from everything that we see, he's active on Instagram. He's really showing a lot of videos other sources as well are posting about these guys both salas and Pettis. so we had no reason to really hold him back any six lower. nine yeah. he's six nine and he's throwing 95 and he's the 17, change up 17 Did you years see old the, yeah yeah <laughs> the change up looks out of <laughs> man i'm really excited i mean we just we gotta see him play five games and then he'll be in the 20s for sure <laughs> um, and then number 59, which is the next one we're going to cover, is Federico Polanco, who we literally just got. So he was traded from the Mets for Yamamoto a few days ago um, after Yams was DFA'd. The Mets picked him up in the 2017 um, international, uh, international amateur signing and gave him a $325,000 bonus. So he's a lefty bat 
with average um, middle infielder height at 5'10", and he will turn 20 in March. So Federico is a compact hitter with a pretty lefty swing. Uh, a, few, a few of you guys probably saw the videos um, on his Instagram page and Fish Stripes uh, put up. He is clearly well acquainted with this zone. It's easy to see with those OBP numbers he's been putting up. It looks like he will need to have, um, let's call it a very contact-driven offensive profile um, because he lacks the power. In two seasons, he still hasn't hit a home run. He was a DSL All-Star in 2019, but struggled mightily in short stint at, G at the GCL. I actually tweeted about this, but I saw a few similar things to Dio Bur Burgos. Um, so check this out. Both are Dominican kids traded for guys with DFA'd. Dean, Austin Dean wasn't in Burgos' case. Both were traded at the same age. Both struggled in their first pro season in the Dominican, then killed it to begin their second season repeating DSL. And then both came to the U.S. and struggled. Um, so that was like a few things right there that were similar between the two. Um, they're a bit different in terms of power, though. Uh, Dio Will is an outfielder and... Uh, is does show more power. Uh, I would say that Federico will probably start in the GCL. What do you got, Alex? Uh, yeah, agree with you there on the GCL. Um, I was a, a little bit higher than you, Daniel, when we made our list on this guy. Um, obviously, like you said, we haven't seen a lot, and we, of course, we haven't seen him play much. Um, you know, he comes over um, in exchange for Jordan Yamamoto, um, who's the FA to make room for Anthony Bass. Um, we definitely wish Jordan well. I think he was a class act. Just got to mention that. Um, Jordan Yamamoto, class act, um, struggled for sure um, on the pitching side, but one of the, the the higher class acts that I've come across in covering the Marlins. So I want to wish him well. But anyways, getting back to Polanco, um, you know, haven't seen him a lot. We just said that. Um, there's a couple reports out on him. Um, Daniel just mentioned, you know, the power is the question. Um, you know, he's a limited in size. He's 5'11", 200. I really like about him is the swing. The swing is purely explosive. Um, and if he can continue to have this kind of swing, I think as his body fills out, I think he's going to come by the power pretty naturally. Um, you know, I would love to ask him, and maybe we'll get to shortly, uh, who he modeled his swing after. But I see in terms of his swing path, even though, of course, he's a much smaller guy, I see in the swing and the plane and the way he holds his bat and the way he approaches the baseball, I see a lot of Ken Griffey Jr. in his approach. Obviously, that's a big name to live up to. We don't know if he's going to do that. Of course, there's a long way to go, and that's a huge name. But I he think- He wouldn't be ranked number 60, right? <laughs> exactly. I think this kid idolized Ken Griffey Jr. growing up because it, the swing yeah. and the path just looks a lot like him. Um, I also liked the comp that I heard on Twitter um, from somebody else. Um, I forget who it was, but somebody else mentioned Ozzy Albies. I think that's a really good comp for him, a potential comp, if he can approach that ceiling. Um, so, yeah, not bad guys to model yourself after, um, Griffey and Albies, um, if that is going to be the way that he goes. Like I said, love the bat speed, like we said as well, limited showings. Um, stays through the zone well, keeps the head down uh, from what we've seen. Obviously, it's limited. Um, you know, we can't really base a lot off of it. We're going to have other guys in this list that we just don't have a lot to go off of. And this is one of them. So, um, you know, despite the limited size, you know, he looks like he has good upper half tools. Um, you know, he stays through the swing really well. Both hands stay on the bat. You know, that's a big sign for me that he's not letting go of the bat. He's staying through the baseball. 
Um, I really like that when I see a guy hit at the plate, especially a younger kid. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think if the body grows to fruition as he fills out naturally, I think the power could come. And if it does at a premium position, like a middle infield position, like second base, that's pretty big. And I think that that could be um, a big asset. So obviously a long way to go. We got to see it play, but I did like what I saw in the limited um, few videos and posts and reports that I saw out of him. And for a DFA player, I mean, we wish Jordan well, but this is a fantastic return. I think, um, you know, in place of, you know, not Kim making that big free agent signing that everybody wanted, every fan wanted. I think this is obviously, you know, something that's going to be talked about a little bit less, but I think it could wind up being a pretty big steal. So I do like Federico and I hope uh, he turns out pretty well. All right. So uh, we move on. Uh, that was number 59, I believe. Uh, so we go to number 60 and Daniel, you could correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but I think it's Ronald Hernandez. Nice. International signee from this year. Um, we mentioned guys that we're going to have guys that, you know, we're not going to lie to you guys. We just don't have a lot on some of these guys. Um, but what we do know is a big thing about Ronald. He signed for $850,000. So the Marlins aren't going to spend and no team is going to spend that kind of money to scout and gain a player if they don't see the potential. So um, yeah, definitely big trust in Fernando Segrignal and his entire team here. This guy is a master of his craft. He's brought in some huge international free agents, um, Salas, the Mesas, others, of course, as well. Um, you know, uh, so we'll see here. Um, uh, it's, it's way too early to make any uh, basis on what we've seen from him. There are a couple of videos out, but I'm not really going to make any determinations from them. Uh, you know, he's, He's a guy that's just has a lot of question marks, question marks around him. But being that he came over from Seguinal, who brought over these guys like Uri Perez, Brady, Yiddy, Salas, we just mentioned Gerard, Edward Cabrera, you know, we trust it. So from what we know about his history, uh, Fernando, uh, one thing is for sure, like we said, uh, if they're spending and if Fernando is spending $850,000 on somebody, they trust him. Um, what we know yeah. about Ronald himself, um, heading into his affiliated debut in 2021, he's 6'1", 155, switch hitter out of Venezuela. Again, kind of speaks for itself, switch hitting catcher. And from the looks of a few videos, like we said, good, strong arm, obviously has a lot to do in terms of the physical growth, if he's going to grow into that catcher's body, that prototypical catcher's body, but it's pretty projectable, you know, 6'1", 155, doesn't sound like a lot, but he's a young kid. So we'll see. Um, you know, can't say enough about the price tag. That's the big thing here. They hit $150,000. So yeah, lots of time, long way to go. Um, hopefully he turns into something because the Marlins could definitely use some catching depth and some catching standouts. So we'll see what happens here. Yeah, this is a great example of <clears throat> a player we were, we were, um, we, you know, we saw, no, I mean, we didn't see differently. We both see exactly what you, what you just said. But the difference is that I know you and you don't like... <laughs> Uh, ranking high guys who you haven't seen, which I absolutely agree with. Um, the reason why I ranked him a bit higher, I had him like in the low 50s, you had him in the high 60s, um, and he ended up 60, um, it is because of the need of the catcher. And it's, I mean, to me, this is so exciting to see like, this is like a, not, not a crazy high profile, but 800 50, I mean, this is like a second round talent, you know, that that's, that's the kind of money you pay to a second round guy. So just because he's a catcher switch hitter, um, you know, looks good. The pedigree is good to me that, that, you know, that brings you up on the list because you'll probably end up 
you know, having a, an important part in our system because of how thin we are at catcher. But I absolutely understand you when you say that <laughs> you, we want to see them, man. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's the, that's the importance. So let's yeah, I mean, we, we talk about guys that real quick, we talk about guys that, you know, we can't hold back um, that because of what we've seen this guy, you know, it's a guy that we haven't really seen. There's just not yep. a lot out, but I trust Fernando. I trust this entire international scouting team. So I think Ronald, if he pans out, will be really good. Go ahead. Absolutely. Um, so that was 60, 61. We got Remy Reed, uh, 62. We got Dylan Lee. And then at 63, we have a newcomer, Alexander Guillen. He's a right-handed pitcher, relief pitcher, signed as a minor league free agent this offseason. He had been with the with the Rockies, with Colorado, since he was signed in 2013, but never made it to AAA. You know, the highest he's played is, is AA. 25 years old, all of 2021 season. So even though he is a minor league free agent, he's still 25, okay? Um, Alexander is a high strikeout pitcher. That's undeniable. He has never had a season with a K per nine lower than 10.60. His struggle was, was the amount of hitters he allowed to reach base. So a 1.80 whip <clears throat> in 2017 at high A and then a 1.30 whip in 2018. Um, again, when he repeated high A uh, the, the season after that one. But then he absolutely found it in 2019. So everything clicked for this guy at double A. Remember the 1.80 whip, 1.30? His whip in 2019, 0.93. And this is a double A, so a new level for him. Uh, 0.93 whip, 1.53 ERA, 2.34 FIP, 182 average against. This is in 76 innings, which is a lot for a reliever. So he's not like he pitched whatever. 20 innings his stuff plays he throws very hard reports from colorado said he could crank it up to 98 um, but his bread and butter is a slider it gets elite swing and miss he complements both pitches with a good changeup, and he was part of the rocky 60-man player pool in 2020 um i think this i think this guy's winning a spot i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a a little guess there um little bet there uh look for him at least to audition during spring training he has the invite he is going to fight for spot on this weak bullpen we need that swing and miss we I, I, right now we just don't have it he can easily grab a spot because um again it's there if there's one thing we're lacking it's it's high k rate guys so i'm high on him 25 years old yeah uh real quick here before we move on um again uh like daniel said um, a good time to find it in your double A debut, right? I mean, he did struggle, as Daniel said. He also had some problems with injuries early in his minor league career. Um, was 100% healthy um, and really did pop at a very good time at the highest level that he's ever pitched at. Another thing I had on him, um, his walk rate was as low as it's been in his career at double A, 2.47 uh, walks per nine. So really, really good to see out of him um, at the highest level that he's ever pitched at. Um, you know, did go to the Arizona Fall League as well, you know, just added the cherry on top of that. So I think this guy, like Daniel said, I think he could challenge as an outsider, as somebody that you're not going to talk about before the season starts, but we're talking about now. I think he could challenge for a pen spot. And if he makes it, I think he's going to be really good. 
Um, you know, he proved it last year that he's capable of getting guys out at the upper minors. Um, you know, if that's going to play at the major league level, I think it will. I really like what I see in his stuff. Um, you know, he generates a ton of strikeouts, which Daniel mentioned low walk rate, which we just said he really had a tiny walk rate last year. I just said at 2.47. So yeah, I mean, third, and just to add the cherry on top, like we said, in Arizona fall league, it's a very small sample, but 13 to one KBB in Arizona fall league. So, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's finding his control at the right time. He's peaking at the right time. He's doing it at the highest level that he's ever played at. And, um, yeah, um, despite the injury history, I think this guy's going to be good if he makes it. And I think he definitely could challenge. So, really cool to see. All right, so we move on. Uh, that was 63. We got a 64, Lazaro Alonso. 65, George Soriano. 66, the unique side armor, CJ Carter. 67, Nick Reddy. 68, Brady Puckett. 69, Nick Fortes. And then the guy that I'm going to cover next at number 70 is Jake Fishman. Another guy that the Marlins got in the Rule 5. This seems to be a theme for me. He comes over in the AAA portion from Toronto. Um, this guy is like, I mean, not as unique as Carter, but he's pretty damn unique. Um, pitches from the first base side of the rubber, steps well toward the first base side in his stretch and wind up and basically falls almost all the way off the mound in his delivery. Um, he goes from a high to low arm slot and comes home from, like we said, that low sidearm slot. He's almost completely off the mound upon his finish. I said that as well. Soft tossing lefty with basically three pitches, fastball with fast in quotes because it's not very fast, with a changeup and slider. Um, he will rarely go above 90, but goes all the way down to the low 80s to high 70s. The wrinkle in his mechanics, which keeps hitters well off balance and limit, uh, will keep, I'm sorry, the wrinkle in his mechanics will keep hitters well off balance if he pitches in limited showings. He generates both strikeouts and ground balls. K9 approaching 10 and a ground ball rate over 50 in double A last year. Change of pace kind of stuff. Imagine going from Sixto Sanchez, the guy that's coming in pumping regular hundreds to go into this guy. The guy that's the soft costing lefty going from, you know, the low 90s to the high 70s. So that'll definitely be an area of strategy for Don Mattingly if this guy makes it. Um, he could be in AAA to start 2021. I think that's where he'll wind up, but double is not out of the question, but I definitely think that he should be in AAA. Um, could contribute to the pen pretty quickly. I have no idea why Toronto didn't protect this guy from the AAA phase <clears throat> of the Rule 5 draft. It's it's crazy to think of. I mean, we're, we're protecting Archimedes Kumana, right? Um and this guy, I mean, how, how do you not protect a 2.82 career FIP guy, uh, lefty? His fastball was top 10 in horizontal movement among all upper levels of the minors in the, you know, for lefties in the 2019 season. Extremely deceptive. Um, I really like this one. And by the way, BA, really a scouting report, uh, Baseball America says he can throw the occasional knuckleball. <laughs> that will be fun. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, another reliever uh, who will fight for, for a spot in the Marlins bullpen. Um, let's continue. That was 70. 71, we have Jorge Caballero. 72, we have Sean Reynolds. And then 73, uh, my, uh, my um, theme, like yours has been Rule 5, mine has been the 2020 draft. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, Kyle Hurts. At number 73, he arrived 
drafted by Miami, fifth round, fifth and final round of the 2020 draft out of USC for a $300,000 bonus, um, which again, I mean, seriously, uh, when we were talking about Ronald Hernandez at 60, you know, a, a, fi a fifth rounder here gets $300,000. Burdick got $300,000. You know, this guy, Hernandez is getting 850. That's why, you know, I'm, he's really excited. <laughs> Finally a catcher. Again, Kyle Hurts. Um, similar starter frame to, you know, as, as Eater at 6'3", 215 pounds. Um, Mid-90s fastball. His best secondary is his, is his changeup, which I love to read. It's good to have uh, guys with with uh, changeup as as their second pitch. Average slider has the chance to become a three plus pitch guy with those three. Um, it also has a curve, but it's graded, you know, as a forty right now. Kyle, he is a complete enigma right now. He has great stuff, like really good stuff, but his results were extremely inconsistent at, at USC. Um, he even lost his rotation spot at one point of the, of the of, of his stint. Um, so it did look like things were starting to click for him right before COVID. Um, and apparently Miami was paying attention. You know, they got him here in the fifth round. Now what Miami has to do is unlock those results from his awesome stuff. Something he needs to work on is his fastball command as well. And um, something to keep in mind is that he is almost one full year older than the other 2020 college draftees. So um, another reason why he's a bit lower here than, than the other guys. But again, a lot of, you know, really good stuff. He might be a guy, even though he is older, that I may, you know, try out at Jupiter to start, see how he does. And um, maybe, you know, between Jupiter and Beloit, see what they do there. Yeah, uh, I don't have too much to add on on Kyle. Um, you know, it, basically what Daniel said um, is the command. Um, and then basically from the reports that I read is that his fastball is dead straight. So if he has a dead straight fastball and he's struggling with command, he's going to get hit. So um, I think he's going to be better in the limited showings, which um, uh, Daniel just mentioned as well. Um, yeah, like Daniel said, I, I think he probably starts in the late, maybe Jupiter. Um We'll see. Um, you know, he's got a couple of good breaking pitches. Um, but yeah, that fastball is just so straight. And if he's, if he's struggling to pinpoint it on corners and at the upper levels, he's going to get hit. So that's something he's going to have to work out. Um, we'll see what happens here. Um, you know, if COVID didn't hit like a, a other guys that we've mentioned, if COVID didn't hit, I think he could have gone higher. So this is another um, high floor kind of signing for where we got him. Um, and we'll see what happens. The Marlins could definitely use um, the bullpen help. So uh, yeah, hopefully he goes to Boyd and, and takes off um, and figures out his command a little bit better. So, uh, yeah, that's it for Kyle. Uh, we go on. Uh, I go for 74. We have Colton Hawk. 75, Davis Bradshaw. 76, Jake Walters. 77 is Dalphy Rosario. And the next guy we have is a guy who is really making a name for himself in the international leagues, I think, um, is Anthony Maldonado. Maldonado, um, self-born and native out of West Palm, who attended Bethune-Cookman in Daytona Beach. Pretty good three-year career there, mostly as a starter. 3.85 ERA, 1.12 whip, 232.79 KBB. Um, that's in 231.2 innings pitch. Marlins got him in the 11th round of the 2019 draft. Um, after throwing 81 innings in his junior year, he was limited to just 11.1 out of the pen in the GCL. 
but the results in that pretty limited sample were great. Um, just two earned runs, uh, 1.59 ERA, allowed just seven base runners, 0.6 whip, struck out 15 guys, good stuff. Uh, limited showing, but good to see in your first showing in, in the uh, affiliated ranks. Um, like we said, this winner, um, he went to the Puerto Rican Winter League. Um, he allowed just one earned run in another 10 innings pitch, and he just participated in the Caribbean series, mostly against guys much older than him and much more experienced than him, and he shot pretty well. Um, and another big thing, Daniel, actually your brother mentioned this, um, that I really thought stuck out. Um, yes. So obviously the, um, the baseball pedigree doesn't fall far from the tree in the DeVivo family. But Daniel's brother mentioned that <laughs> he got the experience of throwing to Yadi Molina. So how do you argue with that, right? This guy yeah. is a guy that that's that's coming up. You know, he's you know not that high heralded of a guy. He really showed out in the Puerto Rican Winter League, like you just said, and now he's getting the experience of throwing to Yadi. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, yeah, that'll just, do it. Yeah, an experience that uh, like Marcel or Daniel's brother mentioned, like you you can't say enough for that. Like that's just something that you don't get to do every day and what he would not have gotten to do if he didn't participate in that series. So really cool to see that. Um, probably a really engaging experience for him. I'm sure. Um, the encouraging thing here, other than the good results and the drive and will to compete and his ability to get innings in despite North American baseball, obviously being put on hold. Um, the work ethic is something that you just can't teach. And Anthony definitely has it. So the stuff from him, We've seen it uh, a bit in the Winter League. I think it's pretty solid. Um, he's pretty solidly built, 6'4", 200, so good size. Um, got a quick delivery, controls the game really well. Biggest thing for me um, is that he planes the pitches downhill extremely well and naturally because of his size. Um, mechanics here are very good. Um, extremely quick to the plate, but he also remains perfectly upright throughout the release. He doesn't fall off to either side of the plate or either side of the rubber, that's that's really big for a guy like him who comes home so quickly. So he's maintaining it and he's knowing his body very well. Um, he's got a pretty high leg kick, hides the ball pretty well, um, even better. Uh, and his footwork here is super nice. Um, turns the hips into his finish, which aids in his velo. Front foot pointing towards his target upon release, which is super, super cool to see from a young pitcher. Um, you know, he's going straight to his target. He knows where he wants to throw the ball and he's getting it there in the most advantageous way possible. So, um, you know, the follow through here though, it's not really violent um, for a dude that reaches the velo that he does. So again, I mean, he's not throwing high effort. Like he's not, he has the size and he has the stuff and he has the arm speed, but he's really not throwing with a ton of effort. So that tells me that he can repeat it. And he does um, releases it from the high arm slot. Like we said, aids in that downhill plane, really good deception with the high leg kick. Um, you know, all three of his pitches are good. Heats all the way up to 97. Change up, good two-plane break, sitting about 85, 87. Slider is probably his third pitch, but splashes some good downward action on it. He's solid, guys. I mean, I really like Maldonado. And for everything that we just said, with the experience that he's gained this winter, I, I really like him. I think this is a guy who's going to challenge sooner rather than later. I think he starts in Beloit. And again, I think this Beloit pitching staff is going to be ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> Second, probably to AAA um, and AA. But uh, other than that, I think this this uh, this uh, this single A uh, advanced weight pitching staff, including the bullpen, is going to be really good, including Anthony. So I really like him. Yeah, um, I would definitely challenge him as well. Either you know he has only pitches at GCL, but I'd be happy putting him at high A, as you mentioned. You know, pitching late innings at Serie del Caribe, representing his country, is higher leverage in the minors. You know, if he can do it there, he can do it at high A. <clears throat> Absolutely. 
let's continue here. Um, 78, Maldonado. Number 79, Cody Potit. Number 80, Sean Gunther. 81, Troy Johnston. 82, Tyler Jones. And 83, and um, from here until 100, guys, these are all these are all players we've never you know we, we've never covered. So from here on out, it's one 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 until we get to one hundred. So let's go. <laughs> this is fun. Um, number eighty three is catcher Dustin Skelton. Um, he was drafted by Miami in the eighteenth round of the two thousand nineteen draft out of Mississippi State for a one hundred twenty five thousand dollar bonus. Um, which yeah, eighteen thousand round eighteenth round, but that one twenty-five thousand bonus—that's the maximum you can give a a post a post tenth uh, round draftee without incurring in penalties. So you know it is somebody you know a lot of guys just draft and just give two thousand dollars. You know here here he was giving the max. He is twenty-three years old. Skelton is a defensive catcher first from everything I've read. Um, he has the arm and the receiving to move quickly through our system. Having said this, though, even though he hasn't shown it as a pro yet, the bat is also there. This guy had an amazing final season at college with an 890 OPS and 10 home runs. Keep in mind that his team, um, you know, Mississippi State, they're in the SEC. That's that's not an easy conference. You know, he those numbers are no easy feat. 10 homers, 890 OPS as a catcher. Um, we have that in our system. So he started out slowly offensively as a pro in low A um, in 2019, which is, you know, was his only season. That was the year he was drafted. And then obviously 2020 COVID hit. It was a pretty small sample size at 24 games. In fact, the back half of those games, he had a slash line of 333, 387, 370. Um, by the way, I got that. I got that back half when researching uh, an old article from Fish on the Farm. <laughs> um, old article about, you know, the best player, player the best prospects per position um, in our in our system for 2019. Uh, so yeah, he he did well to finish it. And I'm pretty sure 2020 would have been amazing for him as well. Um, and he still showed that defensive prowess, especially with that arm. He threw out 40% of runners that you know 2019 that that season again small sample size but it's there so he, even though he's pretty low on this list i am relatively high on him uh, on wh what he can show you know unfortunately he wasn't able to play 2020 season but i am high on him um especially with all this room to breathe as a catcher in this system i would love to see him in, in beloit this season but he'll probably take the starting position in jupiter yeah, I mean, it's it's another guy who um, a lot for me, kind of like a mini Will Banfield, right? Um, you know, he's that defensive first guy. Um, you know, that that's really where he's going to make his headway is on defense, like a lot of catchers. But, you know, a um, little bit of time for him left to go. Um, like Daniel said, the college numbers in the SEC are good. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, I also think he probably starts with the hammerheads, um, catches some of the younger guys, maybe can, you know, kind of help them a little bit. So with his defensive prowess, he's definitely an asset, you know, if he can add the bat even better. So we'll see what happens here. Um, but yeah, uh, for a team that's limited in the catching depth, I think Skelton with that SEC background and the good defensive skill set is definitely a little bit of an asset and we'll see if he can uh, get the bat going. See what happens. All right. We go on uh, 84 uh, 
again, rule five, Marcus Chu, <laughs> another guy that comes over from Seattle in the AAA phase. Um, he is a recently turned 24-year-old, came out of JUCO uh, in California, spent his entire minor league career so far with the Dodgers. 2019, not so great in terms of average, 215. Did OBP 341, which is good. Um, 383 slugging, which is decent. Um, season high walk rate here, though, guys, 11.8%. So that's great to see out of the out of a uh, developing player. First in his first full MILB season uh, as a member of the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. Um, he also hit 14 homers, which aided in that 383 slugging that he mentioned. Power numbers look spectacular on paper, but he also um, was in a very hitter-friendly league, uh, which would explain the 342 Babbitt and the low 105 WRC plus and low 335 WOVA. So probably got to take that into account there. Um, he's a 6'2", 208-pound guy. Looking at his minor league stats and scouting reports, um, good plate presence and patience, just doesn't make enough hard contact, which has limited his average. Um, not enough line drives, stuff like that. Not enough barrels found, stuff like that. So far, not that he can't fix it. And you know, coming over to the Marlins with our development team, maybe he can. Marlins are hoping that he can get coached up, you know, uh, but with his age and considering he has yet to play above a ball, time's probably running out a little bit for him. However, if there's, like we said, one system that can help him bridge that gap in a pretty short time frame, it's the Marlins. So I think he's in a good spot in terms of his career growth. Um, we'll see how he does in spring and we'll see how he handles I think the big jump up to triple A, obviously coming over in the triple A phase, um, he must also be given that 15 day tryout in spring training. So we will see him there as well. And we'll see how he does against maybe some big league guys or fringe big league guys. Um, given all that the Marlins have coming ahead of him though, in the middle infield, I would limit his future with the Marlins to the bench. If he can improve the consistency of contact, he's a bench piece slash trade chip. Um, again, though, with the coaching staff that we have in place, all through the system, he's in a good place. So not a bad low-risk, high-reward gamble here by Kim Ng. Yep, not much to say here. I don't see much of a defensive position for him, though. I mean, a lot of errors, so many errors. Um, it's definitely something to work work on. And let's continue here. Number 85, um, right-handed pitcher, reliever, Zach Thompson, uh, picked up as a minor league free agent during this offseason, just like Yen. Um, he had been with the White Sox since he was signed in 2014 in the fourth round of the draft. So pretty high. Um, 27 years old, really tall at 6'7". Thompson is a two-pitch reliever that throws a solid fastball slider combination. Sits at around 92, 95 from, from what I've researched. Um, which fastball that he just needs to command a bit better and, and above average breaking ball. His K rate has been increasing every year, which is good to see. Uh, in his last season at AAA, it got up to 10, um, 10 Ks per nine. The problem, the problem with the 2019 season was that he just got hit around. He really did a 275 average against and his whip. So obviously with that, his whip shot up to 1.45 after having a very good 2018 on that department with a 1.14 whip, as well as a 206 average against. Um, Thompson's getting up there in age. Obviously, 27, you're still young, but kind of running out of runway. Um, but he will compete for a spot in the Marlins roster next season. Um, he looks to me like a, probably a possible middle reliever. I see him. Uh, but I would definitely put, obviously, as the ranks show, uh, Guillen above Zach in terms of opportunities for, for this season coming up. 
Yeah, not much to add here. Um, Daniel pretty much covered it. Um, this guy, uh, the big problem is the command. Um, he does have good stuff. Um, you know, he's uh, got like a 55, 60 slider. The heat's probably also 60 grade. Um, you know, uh, beginnings of a changeup, a little bit of a curveball. So he's got some some decent stuff and a couple pitches. But the command guys, uh, I think I read on Fangraphs that it's only like 35, 40. So that's what's really got to improve. Um, he can really run into trouble when he is catching too much of the zone, which happens more often than not. So like Daniel said, he's 27, kind of running out of time here. Um, we'll see if he can fix command. Um, if he can do that, he, he's got, he's got like we said, a couple of different pitches that he can use. Throws a fastball two different ways, like a couple other guys we mentioned. He can throw it with sink and throw it with heat. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, it's a guy that really does need to improve that command, although if he can make it. So see what happens with Thompson. Uh, we move on. Uh, I have an 86. It's Christian Rodriguez, not to be confused with another Christian Rodriguez that we have in the system that I think is barely. So confusing. Is. Yeah. <laughs> but this guy, uh, Christian Rodriguez, spelled a little differently, but Christian Rodriguez, he's a newly, 20, newly turned 19-year-old out of Venezuela who the Marlins got in 2018. Um, he got on the field in 2019, most in the, mostly in the Dominican. Did make a small cameo stateside in the GCL. Stats weren't bad in his first case of affiliated ball, um, especially with that stateside transfer, which we know is always difficult for players. 236, 336, 362. Cranked four homers, 12 doubles, four triples, had 25 RBIs. Um, pretty lanky looking kid. He's 6'1", 160. But I saw him in camp last year, guys. Um, he definitely seems to have improved upon that size. I think MILB's website needs to update that because I think he's a little bit bigger than that. Um, comes by pretty easy power. I mean, he's got really good bat speed and really quick hands. Um, that is by far his most advanced tool. Um, I saw him actually take one of his older teammates. I believe it was a double-A guy, a yard in a scrim game last year. So it was really cool to see. It's always cool to see these younger guys step in against these older guys and like show, not show them up, you know, but just like, get the better on them it's cool to see that you know you know in terms of as much as you're on those backfields and you want to see those those uh those further up guys when a younger guy steps in there and gets the better of one of those older guys it's cool um showed a pretty good plate pretty good plate discipline uh for this guy uh christian uh 7837 kbb so far makes pretty loud contact um good tools in the field most of this time is spent between shortstop and third base um, with all the fish have coming middle infield, though, I think um, his future will be at third base. Um, pretty good arm there. Um, instincts are pretty good. Um, I haven't seen a lot of him at third base. I did see him take ground balls there. He's got a pretty good arm, pretty uh, accurate arm. Uh, not a guy that has been talked about a lot and definitely need to see him play more, obviously, at higher levels. But still plenty of time for him to put polish on um, pretty much across the board. He's got 50 to 55 great tools um, in every tool. So good to see. Um Awesome to see a well-rounded guy like that. If it can pan out, I think this guy is super solid. And I think it could go a long way. Projectable size, like you said, the good bat speed, good hands, um, pretty solid in the field. So I think this guy, guys, um, it's going to sound weird, but for a guy this far down the list, um, I'm expecting him to start 2021 in Jupiter. I think he's a dark horse candidate next season to break out and really put uh, it on display and jump off this list. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, he has the tools, right? Yep. After, after the... The Mesas in 2018, his uh, bonus was the next highest. Yep. So, yeah. Number 87, Cameron Barstad. Um, Cameron arrived 
uh, through the draft via draft for Miami in the sixth round of the 2018 draft um, out of high school for a $300,000 bonus. Still 20 years old. You know, he'll be 20 during the whole 2021 season. You know, as we go deeper on our list, we, we you know, we do find catchers there. We don't have top, you know, top talent catchers, but I do see um, some light here, you know, with, with Skelton and, uh, and uh, Hernandez and, and Barstet. Um, lefty hitting catcher who, from everything I've read, is also defense first. Um, when hitting, I liked, I liked, I liked his, his approach. Um, the video I saw, he has a crouched down stance with a nice compact swing, big arm, solid blocking skills on the defensive side. He did not play in his draft year, played only 15 games for, for the GCL in 2019. Um, the reason for this lack of playing time is a big wrist injury he had two months before the draft in 2018. He had surgery for it in February of 2019. So he got hurt two months, like we're talking, what, May of 2018. He wasn't, you know, it didn't heal correctly. So in February, he got the surgery and was finally able to play a few games um, to finish the season in 2019. Um, so all in all, in three years, he would have only played 15 games, you know, which is why he's so low on our rankings. Um, the club is definitely high on him, though. He was invited to captain's camp at the start of 2020. And, he, he, you know, we both know only the cream of the crop get invited to to that um 2021 is a big year for him uh, here's to him staying healthy yeah i mean for sure I, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him and his folks um at fan fest the last time the marlins had it um super nice family super cool kid like daniel said that injury really hurt him um jim callis actually said if not for that injury he would have gone a lot higher than where the marlins got him so yeah i mean it's a guy like daniel said again um you know, the Marlins currently with the catching depth, it, it's not great. But for guys that are deeper down in our list, I, I think that it could be if these guys pan out. I think that depth that the Marlins currently lack, I think it could be coming. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with with Barstad. I, I think he's going to be with the Hammerheads to start uh, 2021. All right. Well, uh, we go on um, and I get the next guy. It's uh, Zach Wolf, a pitcher, Zach Wolf. Um, this guy for me is. I'm kind of glad that I got him there because this guy is so much fun to watch pitch. He's like the biggest unicorn out on the field for me. I'm supremely undersized for the pitching position. This guy's like five, seven, five, eight, one seventy five, but he's been able to make a career out of the pitching craft. Um, and I'll tell you why um, great college career and has parlayed into a good minor league career so far. Um, three year career at the university of Seattle before being drafted by the Marlins in 2018 um, got our first good look of him last year in Clinton with that absolutely awesome Clinton Lumber Kings pitching staff from top to bottom. That pitching staff was awesome. Um, outside of the location, guys, Wolf was a major player for that staff's success. Um, 44 innings, 3.07 ERA, 2.40 FIP, 15 of 19 in save opportunities, 1.22 whip, 10.23 K per nine, and just a 3.33 strikeout to walk ratio so he's striking out three over three more guys than he's walking on average so really good to see um he also did have a slightly above average babbit 315 in a pretty friendly hitter league so awesome results from zach wolf um watching him pitch like i said it's just super fun um if you saw this guy in public like walking on the street the last thing that you would think is that he's a major league baseball pitcher 
because he's just supremely undersized. He just looks like a regular guy, but when he gets on the hill, he shows it. Um, it's awesome to see, um, despite that limited size, he pumps it all the way up to like 94, 96. Good spin rates on the breaking stuff. He has a slider and, and a changeup, so he's a three-pitch reliever. He does pitch with high effort, um, which is definitely going to put his future in the bullpen, which is where he's always been, but that's what he's comfortable with, which is fine. Um, and he knows his craft just really well. He knows his body well. He knows the release points. He knows how to keep hitters off balance. And I think he's going to be awesome. I really like this guy. Um, at 23, he's probably going to be pushed really hard, likely skipping single A advance, I think, or at the very least spending limited time there in the wake of this lost season. But if he continues to put up those effective numbers that he's always put up through college and everything he's shown in the majors, um, in the minors, I should say, so far, I think he contributes to the pen pretty in pretty short order. I would probably say by next year he could be up in the bullpen. He's just a really fun guy to watch pitch. He's a super nice kid. I got to talk to him a couple of times, but um, you know, he's not the prototypical looking reliever or pitcher at all, but I think he could definitely be a good one. I like Zach Wolf a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of things to add. Has it allowed a home run in his yeah. career? 66 innings. That's, that's a cool tidbit right there. Um, and he was Clinton's actual, he was his closer. 15 yeah. saves, you know, out of all that, you know, um, yeah. roster of guys. Exactly. Yeah, he was a closer. Super cool. That was that was fun. And yeah, if he does a really good year and next next year, he'll be up in the 40s, 50s of these lists. Like he could do a really big jump if he keeps keeps showing it. Number 89, outfielder, outfielder um, Jandel Paulino. He was signed as an international amateur in 2017 out of the Dominican. I searched and searched, even through Dominican press, mind you, uh, but couldn't find how much of a bonus he got. Um, I obviously can't be certain, but that normally means that it was pretty low. So not a really, you know, not a big high you know, pedigree here, assuming. He's 20 years old. Um, John Dill really jumped into our radars um, in 2019 when he repeated the Dominican Summer League with, with success. Um, he was named the Marlins DSL player of the year after that season, after a big improvement from 2018 to 2019 elite 427, 427 OBP with some pop respectable K rate of 19%. Um, really high BABIP though. Uh, I don't have the number here in front of me, but that's definitely exactly what happened. Yeah. It tends um, to happen in the Dominican summer league with those fielders, but yeah. <laughs> Having um, played only one game at center field in his career, it's probably safe to say that he's probably, you know, going to be exclusively a corner outfielder. He does have the arm for, for right field. Uh, we'll probably start 2021 at the GCL or whatever that league's going to be called next season <laughs> at the complex. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yandel Martin Paulino. So he carries the, the middle name and surname of two former Marlins. So I guess it was the, the, <laughs> um, yeah, not much to add on, on, on Yandel. Um, he's 20 years old. Um, like Daniel said, uh, really showed out um, in DSL. He won an award from the organization. He was also the DSL um, MVP. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Won a lot of awards for, for his, his exports in 2019 in DSL. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be cool to see him come stateside. Like Daniel said, um, he's definitely got a lot to navigate in terms of outfield competition. Um, I think he definitely comes stateside next year and plays in GCL uh, in Jupiter. 
uh, and we'll see what happens. Um, you know, uh, it's another guy that we just don't know a ton on. Um, we do have the limited number of showings that we've seen uh, in the DSL and the numbers, of course. Um, but yeah, based off those numbers that he showed at the DCL, uh, DSL last year, um, if it transfers stateside, I think he could uh, be a guy to watch uh, in the GCL. So see what happens there. All right. So uh, we go to number 90. I got it. Uh, it's the ultimate athlete. Like if there, if there, if there was a guy who could dress up as an American <laughs> gladiator, it should be this guy. It's, it's Eddie Alvarez, um, the absolute undisputed ultimate athlete. Like there's, there's nobody that, that embodies the term athlete better than this man. Um, this guy is 31 years old and he's still on our list as a prospect. Why? Because most of his life was dedicated to his work in the winter Olympics as a speed skater. Um, we heard the story of him and when he came up last year, he did play with the Marlins a little bit uh, at a taxi squad. He uh, comes over after winning a bronze medal in the Olympics. I believe it was in 2014 in Sochi, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like we said, this guy has gone through many knee injuries uh, in his work with skating. Um, he's, you know, obviously had that experience of winning a Olympic medal pa uh, past him. And that was obviously a dream of his, but he wasn't done being an athlete after realizing that dream. He wanted to play professional baseball and he's doing it. So it's an awesome story. I really like Eddie Alvarez, um, you know, in terms of, you know, an being an athlete, he's facing his next challenge though. Currently, Daniel, you could probably relate to this, not me yet, but Daniel, you can, he's a new father. He actually had his, um, <laughs> his uh, gender reveal outside of the Marlins batting cage complex where he hit a balloon that was thrown to him by his wife. A friend of mine actually photographed it. So it was, it was cool, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a great story guys. Um, you know, we saw, we know who he is. Um, you know, he's not going to be a guy that comes here and is, you know, a big piece of the future of this Marlins organization. He's 31 years old. He's a role player type player. Um, he's not really the biggest or strongest guy. Although I will say he did, post a video on Instagram yesterday of him gearing up for the season. And this guy looks absolutely yeah. massive. So maybe he could come up for the Marlins yeah. here off the bench and, and show some pop because he looks huge. This guy has put in a lot of work in the off season. And it just speaks to what I said about his drive and his athleticism. This guy is a fantastic person, a great athlete. Um, I think past his career uh, playing for the Marlins, I would love to see him stick around. Um, I really relate a lot of what he does and the kind of player he is to a, like a Martin Prado kind of guy where he's not really the greatest player. He's not going to make the hall of fame one day, but he's that great athlete that drives the rest of the team, uh, you know, puts in every amount of work necessary. And then some, I really like Eddie as a person. He's a fantastic mentor for some of these younger players to have. So for a system still in a rebuild and growing all of these minor league players, I think it would be awesome to have him stick around in whatever role, be it player or manager, coach, whatever it is. I definitely want Eddie to be a big part of this Marlins organization in the future. Agreed, man. Agreed. Um, something, again, obviously you all know about Eddie. You know, you saw him, you all saw the story, you saw him play, everything. So there's not much we can say here. Uh, but I did find something really interesting. He stole... 53 bases in 2015 and then never got never stole more than 12 in a yeah. season <laughs> super weird you know super like a weird stat there um he is he's fast i mean you we saw him 
Um, and yeah, he was DFA'd after the 2020 season, but was unclaimed. That's why he's still a Marlin. He's not on the 40 man anymore, but he's still in our organization. So, um, he'll probably go to spring training and, um, maybe, you know, make it a triple a, see what happens. Number 91 outfielder, Kevin Guerrero. He signed as an international amateur last month as well, um, for $600,000. So it's, um, the, 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 the order right there is, Yidi for uh, 3.5 million, then um, catcher uh, Ronald Hernandez, 850, and then Kevin Guerrero for 600,000. I'm going to be honest here, guys. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this rank right here, this, you know, we put 91 just purely out of pedigree. Okay. Like I had to like <laughs> research my ass off <laughs> just to get his size, you know. Um, but a player Miami pays $600,000 for is a player you pay attention to. You know, it's a player you rank, you talk about. Um, we will, obviously, that's, that's what we do. We'll learn more and more about him and tell you guys. Um, so, yeah, we obviously don't know much about him since he was only signed a month ago and he's not Yidi Kape. But he does hit righty, um, just like Yidi. His body screams projectability at six foot three and 165 and just another player we grabbed from the Dominican. I mean, we're really, we're really um, building something there, huh? Yeah. I mean, uh, this guy, uh, you know, Daniel said, guys, this is a guy when Daniel mentioned him to me, I'm like, yeah, I know we got him in the international, (laughs) but I don't know what, like, I know what he signed for. Like, do you really want to include me? Daniel is right. We, We do have to include this guy. Not only based off of the dollar figure, but based off the fact that who of our who our international scouting director is, uh, Fernando Stegano. Yep. This man is not going to drop this kind of price tag, and not going to recommend the Marlins dropping this kind of price tag on a player unless he is sure, or very sure at least, that he is the real deal. So we got to talk about him. We got to mention him. We haven't seen much at all. Like Daniel said, he had to go probably into the deep dark depths of the internet to find much on this guy. There's not a lot out on him at all. I wasn't able to find nearly anything. I am glad that you, very glad that you got him in our countdown, Daniel, because I didn't have nearly anything on this guy. But we'll see it. I mean, obviously, if like we said, if the Marlins are willing to spend that much money on this guy, if Fernando is recommending that the Marlins spend money on this guy, it's for a reason. So, yeah, um, And now you know the name, guys. Kevin Guerrero. So keep track of the name. Put it in the memory banks. Probably going to be in the DSL. Um, we'll see yeah. how it plays. Uh, so yeah, we, we go on, uh, 92 Zach King, another 2019 college world series champion with his teammates then, and his teammates now JJ Bladey. So we mentioned that earlier, uh, and all of those guys, each of these guys, I should say, uh, was selected in the 2019 draft after the commerce title run. Uh, King was extremely solid in his first two seasons at Vandy posting a 3.09 ERA, uh, across his first 90 innings before getting hit pretty hard in his junior season. He had a 6.18 ERA, a 47-22 KBB, and 39.1 innings pitch. There's some fall off there. Um, After only giving up 45 hits in 52 innings in his sophomore season, he gave up 40 in those aforementioned 39.1 innings. K-rate rose for him a bit in that last season, uh, but so did the walk rate. So he ended the year on a good note holding down a 1.65 ERA in his first six pro appearances in the GCL. Obviously, that's a limited sample. 
So you want to know what the reason is here for that fall off between, you know, his good first two seasons at Vandy and then that, that huge fall off there in, in 2019. And that's why he's so far down on our list. Um, obviously he's got the good pedigree from that amazing Vanderbilt team along with Blade um, and others who he drafted out, out of that college, but, and all of those 17 guys that I think I mentioned before that got drafted out of that college. So obviously he had good coaching around him. Obviously he had a good system around him, great teammates. It was a great team. They won the title that proves it. Um, but that, that fall off uh, from, from his sophomore to, to junior year, that's what, that's what uh, causes him to be so far down on her list here in the nineties. Um, in terms of who he is, um, he's a big, tall, lanky lefty. He's six, six, two ten. Um, he's got slow, pretty smooth mechanics, um, shows the ability to control the pace of the game really well. Um, repeatable delivery. He's got the high arm slot, pretty good balance. Again, another guy who doesn't really fall off the mound. Um, he's got a pretty slow windup and then he speeds it up on his release. Um, makes him pretty hard to time. Another guy who throws with that downhill plane as the tall six, six guy, um, many of our guys on our list are like that you'd love to see that projectable frame in pitchers i think he's probably going to put on a little bit of weight here as he grows in the majors uh, you know he's got three pitches mostly two but three pitches fastball curveball change up um good mix of speeds he's 90s all the way down to high 70s from what i saw some of his stats his game logs a couple of his videos he is prone to getting a little bit wild especially later on um in innings as he goes his velo kind of wanes a little bit which is probably why he's been used mostly as a reliever. That's where his big league future is for the Marlins. Um, he could make a really solid career as like that opener kind of guy. If the Marlins do ever choose to go with an opener or at the very least a middle reliever who can eat like two to three innings at a time. But I don't think any more than that because of how much he falls off or has fallen, has fallen off later in his starts at 22. I think he's going to start probably in Beloit, maybe in double a we'll see what happens there, but I think I pay him for Agreed. All right, guys, we're at 93. We're almost done, guys. I mean, if you're still with us, you're one of us, man. <laughs> you are one of us, and I am proud of you. Um, number 93, uh, another reliever, right-hander, Parker Bug, um, drafted by Miami, 27th round of the 2016 draft out of LSU. Parker is a pitcher who he's had a pretty successful pro career in the minors, Um high K rate throughout. He def definitely leverages that six, six height very well, possesses two pitches, um, an average velo fastball and a slider, which he uses a lot, not only as a wipe pitch, but also when he needs a strike. Um, I'd say that's his go-to. He started putting himself on the map in 2018 with a beautiful 6.23 K to walk ratio in high A. Um, started double A incredibly in, in 2019, incredibly well with a nasty 14 Ks per nine innings and a 0.71 whip. Uh, so obviously he was promoted to AAA, but just like every single one of our other <laughs> prospect relievers uh, who touched New Orleans in you know, 2019, he got absolutely shelled. Um, his game took a serious hit. Uh, even his walk rate uh, more than doubled. You and I were talking about this, Alex, you know, like, how, how, you know, how much can your game change from one level to another? And I mean, that, that the PCL is just such a hitters um, league um, that, you know, like, I'm assuming your mental, you know, your, your mental game also takes a hit. So, so yeah, I mean, 
that's how he finished 2019, obviously 2020 COVID. So let's see how Parker does, you know, this, this year, this season that's coming up. Hopefully he can show us that first half of the 2019 stuff. I'd say he's probably going to start in AAA. Yeah. Uh, agree here. Um, you guys know my nicknames, this guy for me, I call him the exterminator. It's Parker, the exterminator bug. That's who he is for me. Love it. He's a cool guy. Um, super, really, really tall guy. It's really, really fun to see him in person just because he towers over much of his teammates, maybe with the exception of Sean Reynolds, who's like the one guy who kind of measures up to him. Um, but he's one of the bigger guys out there. Um, especially when he's on the mound, he looks huge. Um, Really nice dude. Um, he, I don't know if this is to the favor of Don Mattingly, but just a fun fact on him here. He showed up to camp last year with the handlebar mustache. Super cool look for him. I think it's a great look for any reliever. I loved it. Nice guy. Um, really nice family too. Um, Daniel mentioned everything pretty much here. Um, really great start la uh, last time we saw him play and then just got torched with uh, New Orleans. So yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to put too much stock. I was talking to Daniel about this, like he said, um, while we were leading up to the episode, that, you know, as much as he's pitching at the highest level that he's at and as close to the majors as he's going to get, you can't put a ton of stock into, you know, a small showing or even even a longer showing, I would say, um, at AAA, considering how that league is and how it works with park factors. It's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, as long as his numbers come back down, which I definitely think they will, um, I think the Marlins prospects that pitched in AAA last year in New Orleans, including Parker, are glad that AAA is going to be in Jacksonville and not in the uh, PCL anymore. We don't know how the leagues are going to be drawn. And even if they're drawn the same as they were, I don't think they will be at all for the Southern League with the travel that they had. Um, it was a, not nearly as bad as the PCL, but it was still a pretty favorable hitters league, not too favorable not nearly as favorable as pcl but um yeah i mean we'll see how the leagues redraw the lines um obviously that's going to be remain to be seen here who plays who but yeah parker comes out of the pcl gets those numbers to come down a little bit i definitely think he will i think we could see him with the marlins this whole season we'll see what happens that'd be cool yeah by the way i'm projecting next week we'll probably get some news on yeah calendars and a lot of minor league baseball so pretty exciting stuff. at least for triple a right because triple a supposed yep. to start at the same yeah, time yeah, as exactly. major. so we'll, we'll see um see who plays who it's gonna be cool uh to see what happens there all right we go on uh got a couple more here to get through guys we appreciate you sticking around like daniel said uh, <laughs> almost home free here almost the end we go to 94 i have it it's a make hold leon Makehold Esteban Leon, I should say, uh, signed by the fish in the same class as the Maces. Um, we mentioned this a little bit before. I think Daniel did. Marlon spent most of their international pool that year on the Maces, of course. Um, so it makes sense why I couldn't find anything on Makehold signing bonus, um, which probably means it wasn't a lot, like Daniel mentioned before on a previous uh, prospect. Um, signed at the minimum signing age, um, 16 years old, um, out of Den out of uh, Venezuela. Uh, 6'1", 160, with plenty of time to grow into more size and strength. For reports I read, guys, this kid, um, he's already showing three pitches. He's got fastball, changeup, curveball, already. Uh, he's pumped it up from regular mid-80s to regular uh, mid to high 80s recently. Um, you know, he isn't projected to be much higher than a low to mid-90s guy when all is said and done but rather projected to be a soft tossing finesse lefty with really good control. His control tool and command tool, I should say, are already well beyond his years, and he's still just a teenager. Um, like I said, still so young, already with three pitches, good command and control. 
throw strikes to both corners. Um, you have to like the blueprint that the Marlins are working with here with Maykold and probably not for much money. We can't confirm that, but I am guessing it wasn't for much money. Um, what he's done, he's thrown 14 games out of the pen in the DSL in 2019, held down a 3.94 ERA. Again, we talk about the FIP here and why it's important, especially at these lower levels, 2.56 fielder independent pitching. Um, so yeah, uh, and uh, that was also by way of a pretty unlucky bat of 349. So again, at these lower levels, you want to see those fielder independent stats, what the pitcher is actually responsible for. So the 2.56 FIP, I think, speaks better to his actual ability than his ERA. Uh, the whip was at 1.25. Um, biggest thing here on the stats, 50 strikeouts, 13 walks in 45.2 innings pitched. He's 17 years old. I really like this guy. I think he's already showing so much at such a young age. Why is he so far down this list? Because we haven't seen a lot from him. Tons of time, though. I think he's going to get a lot better. I think in place of the velocity, he's going to be a guy that commands the zone, gets ground balls can also get strikeouts as the stats state from these lower levels. We'll see how the strikeout numbers hold up at the higher levels as he comes along. But I think he's a guy that can get it done in multiple ways um, by what we see so far. We just got to see him play more. But I definitely like Mayhold. I think he's going to be good. He reminds me of Luis Palacios. Yeah, definitely. Lefty, good command, not crazy. Vevilo, I like him. Yep. Uh, by the way, so I 100% understand you call him Mayhold. Because I mean, that's how it's that's how it's read. I mean, M A Y C O L D. Um, but his parents were probably trying to spell Michael, right? Okay. And just added a D. <laughs> gotcha. I, I think I, I have no idea, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming here. So yeah, Michael, I guess. File that uh, one way, guys, for when you have to say his name. File it. File <laughs> it. <laughs> Number ninety-five. Another reliever, uh, Tyler Mitzel. Uh, Tyler signed with Miami as a free agent in 2018. Uh, he went undrafted after his final season in the NCAA, where he pitched for three different colleges. Uh, his big pitch is the change. Uh, his teammates rave about it. If you ever listen to the um, um, Eric O's um, podcasts of, of Clinton, where he just you know interviewed every single player during the season um, of our prospects in 2019. Um, I mean, every, every single one of the guys, when they asked him, what pitch would you like? They were like, uh, I like Tyler's changeup. It's a beautiful pitch with crazy movement, um, which obviously makes his low 90s fastball look much better than it actually is. Um, he started wonderfully during his first pro season in 2018 at low A, but had a very bad last month, which obviously inflated his final numbers. Um, he came back with single A Clinton in 2019, which is the season I was referring to, and had a very good season uh, where he improved in almost every single stat compared to 20, 2018, uh, 253 ERA, 183 average against, and uh, 1185 K rate. So good stuff. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Mitzel was awesome. Another member of that um, really good uh, Lumber King staff last season. So see what happens here. Um, pretty projectable. I like his stuff. Um, I think he could make a good uh, career as a uh, no relief piece. So we'll see what happens. I think he gets pushed up this year. I think he's going to go up to double A or I'm sorry, single advance, but we'll see what happens with him. All right. So 96, I have it. I think we mentioned him already. Archimedes Kumana. Um, this guy, the second Archimedes to don a Marlins uniform, by the way, before we get into him, the first being Archimedes Camonero. I don't know this for a fact, Daniel. I, it would be interesting to look up. I'm sure we could probably find it. 
But it's probably a safe bet to say that the Marlins are the only team that have had two players named Archimedes that have played for their organization. What do you think? It's it's possible. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> getting going on Kumana. He's 6'3", 175. Uh, he is out of Puerto La Cruz. He signed for a pretty decent price tag, 120K in 2016 at age 16. He didn't play at all in 2018 and got into just five games uh, last year. Uh, Marlins did get their first good look at him in 2019. Uh, You know, he played almost the full DSL ledger and he pretty much lit it up. 300, 396, 391. That said, he was also playing against guys over a year and a half older than him. uh, And he didn't come by a ton of power. Um, With a missed season in the books, he's now 20. Um, he has yet to come stateside. Um, that should happen this season. Um, he's uh, 21 now. I foresee him getting fast-tracked to low A this season, uh, which will be a big jump for him. Uh, another note on him, he was signed as a catcher, but he's only played 11 games at that spot, and that's compared to 50 at first base. So I think he's a future first baseman. Uh, the tools are there for him to make a good career at first base. He just needs to come by more power. Uh, balanced approach, really good swing, um, limited size though. Um, times a little bit against him, 21, like I said, not stateside yet. Um, if he can come by stateside this year, I think he does get that big push up to full season ball, uh, in low a probably with the hammerheads. Um, you know, he could be a very late bloomer, but odds probably not great. That's why he's down so far on our list, but I'll quote angels in the outfield here, uh, and say, Hey, it could happen. So we'll see what happens with Kumana. Um, for me, it's a very low floor. Um, he barely makes this list in our top 100. I think he's going to be, like if he said, fast-tracked up to Jupiter, but we'll see what happens. Um, the Marlins could definitely use the first base depth, so we'll see. Angels in the Outfield is such an underrated movie, baseball movie. <laughs> Serious, nobody ever listed as like at least like a nominee. Okay. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was protected uh, for the AAA you know, portion of the Rule 5, which I was pretty surprised at. I didn't think, you know... I knew about him. He was like yeah. 110th or 115th ranked on my list. But after that, I kind of, you know, you know, if, 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 if they care about him this much that they would thought somebody would take him when he'd just play like in the DSL, that was surprising. Um, number 97, shortstop in Manol Marines. Um, signed as an international amateur 2017 for a very, very big bonus. Uh, 1,500,000 thousand one of those rare times when old ownership the lorry ownership invested big on an international kid um so yeah that's a rare example of that uh marines was a well-regarded prospect at that time you know before he was signed um but he simply just he hasn't just you know he hasn't shown the results since then either you know because he's been injured a lot or inconsistent when he does play a pretty mediocre first pro season um he was okay in the dsl really really bad at the gcl um he ended up with a 583 ops that year uh a good sign obviously it's always a good sign is that he only struck out about 15 percent of his at bats um unfortunately he was injured almost all of 2019 um so not didn't play 2019 didn't play 2020 he's a very athletic kid even though he was signed at a shortstop, it doesn't look like he has enough arm to stick there from what I've read. So he'll probably end up at second base as a hitter. He has good, uh, you know, good bat speed, but just so extremely raw 
I think that's the word. He needs more reps. Still 19 years old, so plenty of time to show something. Yeah, uh, solid guy here. Um, you know, everything Daniel said, though, a uh, little bit going against him. Uh, still has some time. It's just it's just tough to gauge because we just haven't seen a lot out of him. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's something to be said, though, real quick on him here, that um, I was on the backfields while he was uh, working out uh, in 2019, um, a lot of big crowds, including a lot of scouts and Marlin scouts really flocked to watch his BPs and his infield work. So it's a guy that they're definitely watching. Right. So, um, we'll see what happens with him. Um, it's definitely inter- going to be an interesting go for him. Uh, the big push up state side will be big for him. So we'll see what happens with, um, Mourinho's, but, uh, an interesting guy. And I think he could be solid if everything pans out. So we go on, um, I have the next guy, 98. Uh, it's Bubba Hollins. Uh, Bubba Hollins, one of the more recognizable names uh, when you're looking at the Marlins minor league roster. Um, fun fact on him here, um, his name comes with a story. I actually interviewed him a couple years ago. Uh, I told it back uh, in 2019 um, when he was our April prospect of the month. Um, hopefully I get back to doing prospect of the month when minor league season resumes. I definitely plan on it. Um, he's actually the son of a former major league baseball player. Um, Bubba's, Bubba's full name is David Hollins II. He's the son of a 17.6 career war player and fellow corner infielder, obviously by the same name, David Holland Sr. He played from 1990 to 2002, mostly as a Philly. Uh, so the pedigree here is definitely evident, right? The guy grew up with the game. So you always like to see that um, along with like, another guy much higher up on our list, like Griffin. So always when you see the son of a former major leaguer, they grew up with the game. They know what it's about. So the mental capacity is there to deal with everything that major league players deal with because they grew up dealing with the children. So I always like that in prospects when they come from the game and are coming into the game. So for sure, really cool. But uh, how do you come by the name Bubba? Um, I had a quote from him that I wanted to read really quick. Um, It's pretty cool. Uh, It's part of my article uh, uh, that I put out in April 2019, which is a great month for him. I'll get to that. Uh, He says this, when I was a baby, I had really fat and chubby cheeks. My mom said you could barely see my eyes when I was a kid. So she started calling me Bubba, Bubs, nicknames like that. Uh, I don't know. It just sort of stuck with me through the years. All my close friends and family have always called me Bubba and never really called me David. I loved it. And it's really, it's all I really knew. Mm -hmm. It's a funny story. So cool guy with a cool story, um, a super cool name and a cool story behind it. So I love him um, as a person. It was really fun to do that interview with him. Cool to get to know him. Um, and he's one of those guys that ever since we spoke to him, he's always there, you know, giving us high five, you know, when that's allowed at spring training and on the backfields and everything and saying hi. So cool guy. Um, I really like him as a person in terms of him as a player, uh, played two years in junior college, um, which he described also in that same interview as a big building block for his career, which was also interesting um, in place of, you know, the D1 play, uh, which he also did one season of. Um, but yeah, the, the, the stepping stone being Juco, um, obviously he was probably uh, you know, not highly regarded at a high school, did go the Juco route, but did step into D1 at St. Bonaventure and had a good season there. Um, 290, 379, 485. Um, again, he's from New York. It's not a really highly recruited place for major league baseball players. Talking to Tom Kohler, he tells us that as well. So it's not really a place that, you know, scouts tend to look when it comes to collegiate baseball players or even high school players, really. Um, he went undrafted for a second time, again, probably that being cause and effect of the New York, uh, you know, residency, <laughs> but he forwent his collegiate season and signed with the Marlins as an undrafted free agent uh, in 2017 and played the rest of that year in Batavia. 
Marlins skipped him around a little bit in 2018. He played at three different levels, um, you know, and then, you know, he came uh, in 2019. They finally decided, okay, this guy belongs at single A. And they sent him to Clinton. Um, was a bit old for that level, uh, but he did have a really solid season there uh, for me, at least as basically his first full major league year and really first big look at the major league level. He hit 269, 330, 352, uh, 64, 26 KBB, 95 games, was able to stay on the field. Um, and like we said, that really good month of April. That month of April, first month in Clinton, 338, 411, 508. Um, he's a smaller dude, 6'1, 200. Um, he also told us in our interview that it took him a while to come to a stance that he really liked. Um, now that he's found it, I think he covers the plate pretty well. Bat speed is decent, but there's a, just a lot of swing and miss to this guy. Um, you know, the swing is more built for doubles than real power. And for a corner infield prospect, you really want that power tool to stand out, right? Uh, this guy, as of yet, just doesn't really have that over-the-fence power. Good doubles power just doesn't really have that over-the-fence power yet um, and the limited size, like I said. Um, the 25 doubles he hit in Clinton were pretty encouraging. Um, he's turning 26 this coming season. Doesn't have the best plate discipline. So unfortunately uh, for Bubba, I think time's running out. Um, I think the ceiling here, replacement level, corner infielder or bench bat. Um, he was also Rule 5 eligible this year. Didn't go, didn't get selected. Um, should get propelled probably to double A or at least to single A advance to start 2021. Uh, hope is he can take a big jump. I hope he does. He's a super nice kid. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. Um, if he can make the jump, um, he adds a layer of, uh, depth to that, uh, corner infield spots. The Marlins just don't have a lot of right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. He's one of those players that really got hurt by, by this canceled 2020 season, right? As you mentioned, time is running out and, uh, um, he really needed that year to show himself. So good luck to him in 2021. And my last guy. Um, number 99, uh, lefty reliever right now, reliever, um, Andrew Nardi. He was drafted by Miami in the 16th round of the 2019 draft out of the university of Arizona for a $125,000 bonus. Remember what I mentioned about the 125 is a maximum, uh, you can give post, uh, 10th round without incurring a penalty. Um, this is, a clear example of the Marlins identifying stuff before results. Andrew is a player who had a, a pretty mediocre college numbers um, where he was a long reliever kind of spot starter, um, you know, but again, Miami paid him the maximum allotted, you know, allowed to, to post 10th round pick um, actually a pretty crazy college career with four colleges in four years. <laughs> you don't see that every day. Um, I believe it's two Juco and two, two division one. Yep. Um, good stuff. He got drafted in June of 2019, uh, reported to Batavia and just hit the ground running. He went from striking out about five per nine innings in his, in his last year of college to an outstanding 14.73 K per nine as a pro that first season. Uh, he finished with a 0 0.98 ERA in 2019. And now he just has to show his stuff at higher levels and, and, and see where, where he ends up at. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, definitely true there. Everything you said about Nardi, um, definitely the collegiate pedigree is for sure. Interesting. Um, <laughs> like you said, four different colleges. Um, so yeah, I mean, he skipped around, but the, I guess the, what the takeaway there is he got to see a lot of different levels and a lot of different guy collegiate level hitters. Right. So uh, different areas of the country too. So, I mean, that, that's cool for him um, and probably will aid in his, uh, in his development. I, I think yep. um, 
for sure that he, he could be decent as he goes. Um, but another guy here that, you know, the time is not really on his side. So um, that's why he's so far down. Um, maybe he comes and pops this year. We'll see what happens. Um, definitely has potential. So, okay. Uh, we go to our last guy. Um, and I guess it's our Mr. Irrelevant, but in this Marlon system, there's no Mr. Irrelevant, right? But it's our last guy on our list that we're covering today. Um, and we, again, want to reiterate, appreciate you guys sticking around. Number 100. We did it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we're there. This lengthy process, we finally come <laughs> to the end of it, right? Uh, so for sure. So it's uh, the name here is Kaysen Sherrod. This guy is a really cool story. He's a Marlins 2018 seventh round pick out of Texas A&M. Selected in the 13th round of the 2017 draft by Kansas City, but chose to go back to school. Probably a really good choice for him to do that. Bumped his draft stock up by six rounds and his signing bonus up to 20K. Uh, solid collegiate numbers too. So a good experience for him. 3.68 ERA, 1.33 whip, 101.59 KBB exclusively out of the pen. That's where he's going to be uh, obviously in the majors as well. Began his big league career in the GCL before being pushed up to single A advanced after just three games in low A in 2019. So a big jump for him. He's going to face another big jump. We'll get to that. But solid results with the Hammerheads. 21.1 innings pitched, 1.12 whip, 28 KBB. So solid stuff, limited sample, but still really good, especially considering that jump. Uh, entering his age 25 season, what stands out most for him is the velocity, 95-97 with pretty good sync on it. Solid pitchers built, 6'4", 200. Plans his stuff downhill well, good high arm slot. Uh, looks comfortable on the mound. Only one secondary, but it's a really good one. Uh, upper 80s power slider, and he can get nasty with it. Why he's so far down on this list is due to command inconsistency and his age for his current level of development. At 24 with just 47 innings of minor league baseball under his belt, he's going to likely be pushed up to double A next season. So even a bigger jump for him than the one he took uh, in 2019. So we'll see how he handles it. Um, but judging by his backstory, I think he's going to handle it really well. And here's why. Uh, the story behind his personal life, um, he was born a few months premature and suffered from hearing loss in both ears. He dealt with it and grinned and bore it basically all through high school. Uh before finally getting hearing aids in college. An interview we read said that during high school, he was embarrassed to get them because they were bulky and really stood out. So he just dealt without them. And like we said, just grin and bore that just not, not really being able to hear much. Uh, finally just admitted that, you know, this wasn't the way he wanted to live his life in college. And he wanted a little bit better for himself in terms of being able to communicate and everything else, especially with his coaches, take that into account as well. Uh, finally got the hearing aids and he said it meant a world of deference to him, not just for baseball, but for his personal life as well. So really cool to see that, you know, a guy that can go from, you know, admitting a weakness and doing everything he needs to do to fix it. So says a lot about him as a person, says a lot about him uh, and the kind of player that I think he will be and his uh, mindset as a player. So a cool guy, super easy guy to root for. Uh, we'll see how he does, but uh, yeah, if he can gain that command consistency, obviously, like we said, he's facing that big, big jump up to double A, I think. Uh, if not to start uh, this coming season, I think he'll definitely be there uh, by the time the season ends. So it's going to be interesting to see him and follow along with his journey. But yeah, like we said, easy guy to root for, like a lot. All right. So that is going to do it, guys. That is all did 100. It. We did it. We're there. <laughs> uh, we made it through all top 100 prospects. Uh, mine and Daniel's consensus top 100 prospects as we head into this 2021 season. Um, as we have mentioned, as me and Daniel have experienced over these five episodes, this list changes very frequently. So we will definitely be updating it regularly on the website and on our social media channels. We will also be back with you guys for more episodes such as these in the future to update you guys on newcomers to our list, how we shuffle it and whatnot. So it's definitely an ongoing project and one which we will continue to bring to you guys in future episodes. So again, this exercise far from over. Uh, we hope you guys really enjoyed it. We definitely want to thank you for a third time for sticking around 
for the entire thing uh, and through our delay in bringing you this episode. Uh, definitely wasn't planned that way. It worked out that way. It wasn't planned that way, but things happen. COVID happens. Seasons get canceled. I guess that's the way of the world these <laughs> days. So it is what it is. Uh, we're glad to have it complete for the interim. Again, we will be updating it. We really hope you guys enjoyed the time. Me and Daniel really enjoy bringing this to you. Um, these reports, both on these guys that you already know and guys that you got to see last year. And then, of course, on these deeper down guys that you don't know yet, but we think you'll get to know them very well in pretty short order. So that's going to do it, guys. That's episode 11 of Swimming Upstream. For myself, Alex, Daniel DeVivo, we appreciate you guys listening, and we really do appreciate all the support. We've gotten some awesome, positive messages from some of you guys reaching out on Twitter, Instagram, and whatnot and uh, leaving awesome reviews on the podcast as well on Spotify, on Apple podcasts and stuff like that. We really appreciate all of that great support. Uh, we both love bringing this to you guys again, this awesome info uh, where I am uh, not educated about something Daniel is. So that's why he is here. I definitely appreciate him being with me as well. I know his time is valuable. He's a new family man for sure. So he is an amazing wealth of information. If you guys don't follow Daniel, I definitely want to invite you to do so on Twitter at Daniel DeVivo. He's awesome. Uh, always posting about the Marlins. Great, great insight from him. I really enjoy having him. He is a valued resource. So thank you guys again. Thank you, Daniel, for coming on with me. I want to give you one more chance to say something to the listeners. Go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, as always, really, really exciting. And, and to you, Alex, thank you again. Um, this is really fun. It's you and I having a conversation. We record it, right? I mean, I love it. Um, go Marlins. Yeah. For sure, guys, you heard him. Go fish. That's going to do it for episode 11, guys, Swimming Upstream. We thank you again for all of the time and attention to this project. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next time on Swimming Upstream.